Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hello and welcome to Indie Incursion and Indie Games Podcast, your weekly source for all the indie games news you want to know and love. This week we're bringing you four awesome indie games news stories, but before we get into any of that, I'd like to introduce myself, Vaughn Hyde, and my illustrious co-host, The Big Josh Boy. How you tuned today, Big Josh Boy? Oh, I'm doing good. I like how we're still keeping up with that illustrious part. It's, uh, I mean, it's, nice. it's going to go to the end of time, really. Uh, it's kind of just like the big josh boy eventually when you die i of all people i mean you'd think somebody actually closer to you but (laughs) me of all people will have that engraved on your tombstone either legally or i will do it myself i'm i did it's gonna happen now it's something that has to happen what if what if you die before me though ghost dude oh yeah ghost of von hyde i guess it all comes full circle full circle i'll scare you to death and then we'll be ghosts together, and I'll vandalize your tombstone when you're, like, ghost sleeping or something like that. Ghost sleeping. That sounds like a thing. Checks I mean, out. Yeah, it makes sense. I don't see why ghosts wouldn't sleep. What else are they doing with their eternity's worth of time? That's true, too. I don't yeah, know. moving on to the afterlife? No, they're ghosts. No, they're that haunting lame. people. They're fucking with shit. They're, like, uh... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what else ghosts do. Wow, that's, uh, they, that's all you got, huh? <laughs> they fight other ghosts. Danny Phantom being my specific reference for that one. Yeah. Man, how do we keep always getting back? Man, these references always always come How right do we back keep up. getting back to Danny Phantom? Because it's a great know. show. I Why wouldn't so. we get back to Danny Phantom? All right. All right. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> so what have you been playing this week, indie games or otherwise? So, uh, this week it's been all indie games, but to be honest, I haven't really been playing too much. I've actually been pretty busy, but I did pick up, uh, the new Cadence of Hyrule game. So, yeah. So, uh, for the listeners, that's basically the, um, Zelda-based Crypt of the Necrodancer sequel, kinda. Uh, I don't know because I never played actual Crypt of the Necrodancer, so I don't know if it's a direct sequel. It doesn't really have anything that would make it seem like that, because it just kinda jumps in where... Your character, Cadence, is just like, oh, I'm in the world of Zelda, why? And then randomly it teaches you the tutorial and then dumps you into the world where you get to just be either Link or Zelda. Um, It's really interesting the way it's done because it's um, all procedurally generated. So the entire map is always going to be the same size. It's always the same like grid size, meaning. 
but the world around you has different types of dungeons, different types of monsters, and items that are all throughout. Um, the items are always the same, but they're in different locations. So it becomes this thing where if you want to get really good at the game, you can be like, I took the least amount of steps or the least amount of movement to beat the whole thing, or I did it in you know the, the, the quickest time kind of a thing. I don't think I'm ever going to really get into that, but honestly, the gameplay for it is pretty solid. Um, I think it's a lot more forgiving from what I've heard of people that have talked of the Crypt of the Necrodancer. Um, it's not intensely hard. It is a little strange to get the hang of. There's definitely a learning curve to it, but it's really fun. It's basically, there's just this awesome set of soundtrack uh, songs for each of the different areas that you go into that will play kind of on a loop. Like there's different sections that have varying songs that will play. And so you'll run through and there's a specific BPM. It's not based on like changing BPM. It's just each song has a set one that you have to, and BPM being beats per minute, of you have to basically click the button each time the beat of the song so that you're moving or attacking with that beat. Um, so it's a little weird because sometimes you get in your mind, you're like, oh, I want to attack this person. I'm going to click like double fast to because I just want to hit him really quick and it's like no you have to go with the beat you have to go with the movement of the monsters but it makes it very strategic in that you have to understand which way the monster is going to jump what type of attack they have do they wait a turn like a beat before they attack or do they attack right away so it's it takes a little bit to learn it but it's a lot of fun and the Zelda songs like this first off Zelda music is great but this soundtrack that they have is just awesome i played the game once and was like man the music in here is awesome. like it's fantastic and i've just been playing it on youtube while i'm at work in the background of just the actual soundtrack so i'm just listening to all the songs over and over again and there's a ton of them too but it's it's uh it's a really good time so is far this is, does it have its own original soundtrack or is it legend of zelda songs no so it's it's the legend of zelda songs but all like remix so it's it's oh, all okay, that's it's cool. all their own uh original music but remixes of the normal ones that you would normally hear you know like the dun 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 dun, dun, dun. like those kind of songs like you'll hear them but it'll be like a guitar riff in the background or in for some reason in the uh dungeons they have like these ominous like singers who are doing it and they're like like it's so weird it makes like that part kind of trips me up because it makes me laugh every time and like i'm playing it out loud so my wife the other day was just giggling to herself and she's like what is going on in your game (laughs) i was like i don't know it does this when i get in dungeons yeah, that's definitely a Crypt of the Necrodancer thing. It does that exact same thing in that game. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> that one took me for a loop, and it's a little, like, when I first started hearing it, it was a little uh, removing from kind of, like, the the atmosphere of it because I was like, this is just silly. But at the same time, I really enjoyed it, and it's, I mean, it's a really good gameplay as far as the way the, the mechanic works for having to hit people at certain, like, certain angles, having to position yourself around it and like understanding your map space and not getting cornered by uh you know a ton of enemies but the one thing i will say is there's so many items in the game um because it's very you know zelda-esque it has things like the hook shot the bow and arrow um these uh bombs bomb chews it's got a number of 
items that you would nor- you would see inside Zelda games, but it's to the point where you can only use four of them at the at a time, and half the time I'm so engrossed in just jumping back and forth and attacking with the regular sword that I often forget about those items. And that might just be, once again, another learning curve. I've only sat down and played this for probably like four to five hours, but it definitely seems like there's a lot more in the game than I'll ever really get to experiment with from a casual player's perspective. Does it have, uh, this is something I was curious about and I wasn't 100% sure. Does it have three playable characters, Cadence, Link, and Zelda? Or do you just play as one of them? So the way it works is you start off and you're Cadence. And it goes through the tutorial, shows you how to play the game. And you're like, okay, cool. And then it says, oh, there's these two sleeping heroes. And it's basically Link and Zelda. And you get to choose which one. And you teleport to that character that you've chosen and then you're like so for me i picked link so i i jump down there i wake link up and link goes oh i have to blah blah whatever you know basically the main story of the game i have to go save the world kind of a thing um and cadence is like all right well i'm out of here and just like dips and so then (laughs) yeah and so i was like okay so then i'm link and i'm like all right so i'm traveling the world i'm link but at the same time i could have picked zelda and started with her and as I continue through the game, eventually you'll find Cadence again and be able to have Cadence on your team, as well as Zelda. So you could swap through any three of them during the game at specific locations, but you're always playing as that one character, just you have to swap. But and one of the cool things about them is each of them have these little uh, unique abilities. So Zelda has, um, instead of a shield, she has her little mirror shield thing where she kind of like does the the shimmery twirl thing that you would see in Super Smash Brothers. Um, She also has this fireball mechanic where she'll shoot a fireball where instead Link would use a shield and do his sword spinning attack. Yeah, I was going to ask, do each of them have their own like special attacks or is it just like a plain sword and then you get then these like special attacks? So you find the special attacks as you're going throughout the game. That's one of the things about, I kind of mentioned it was procedurally generated. All of these items are always going to pop up, but they're going to be in different locations. Um, so you find your specials, and the way it works is if you find your your special attack for Link, that would be the swirly sword. That basically means that you found Zelda's fireball attack. You just have to have the Zelda character as well. And in that regards, you have to switch over to her if you want to use her abilities. That's cool. Have you played it all as Cadence or just Link and Zelda? I've been just Link and Zelda for this. Um, Other than the tutorial afterwards, I didn't really have any, you know, kind of nostalgia to Cadence just because I had never played Crypt of the Necrodancer and I'm more of a Zelda fan. So it was one of those things where I was just like, meh, I'm uh, I'm okay with that. But one of her Cadence abilities was that she had a stun for nearby enemies. So I might pick that up just to see what that's like to see if it kind of grooves more with my playstyle. Um but for the most part I've just been hanging out with the uh, Link. Nice. Are you playing with the DDR pad? <laughs> no. I uh I wish. I don't have my metal pad anymore. Uh otherwise I definitely would have given it a try. I don't know how it would have worked since you have not only the uh arrow buttons but also the four additional buttons to use items. So I don't know how they would have adjusted for that on a DDR pad, but Regardless, I would still love to try it if I could. Wouldn't that be crazy if they also made you hold the Joy-Cons? 
Yeah, like that's what, well, that's what I was thinking, just one Joy-Con so you could hit the buttons while you were playing. I mean, yeah. you could also do the uh, the double pads. I don't know what that is. <laughs> well, in a DDR cabinet, you would have not only one side, but also a second where you would have the eight uh, arrows, basically. And so playing doubles would mean that you're playing on all eight arrows and you would have to run back and forth between them. Oh, gotcha. All right, that's pretty cool, dude. I Cadence of Hyrule. For some reason, I was going to say Zelda. I don't know why. <laughs> she's already of Hyrule. Yeah. Cadence of Hyrule looks really, really cool. I'm glad you checked it out. How much did it cost? So it was actually a pretty high price point. It was $25, um, which Oof. the reason why I say high is because this game is probably beaten in around five to six hours for the most part. Um, I'm pretty much at the end. I've defeated uh, four of the main dungeons, and then I think I only have to face the main boss, um, which is this Octavo guy. I'm not really 100% sure because I haven't gotten to that part yet. Um, But that being said, I've only played about, you know, four to five hours. I'm feeling that this is going to be close to the end, and that's what I've heard from other people online so $25 is kind of a high price point but it's pretty fun and really uh, one of the main things is just the soundtrack itself is one of the great reasons to have this plus I imagine since it's procedurally generated they would call it like uh, infinitely replayable essentially yeah you can because there's there's a whole thing with uh, the game where they're counting if you go to your like menu it'll show you oh this is how many total steps you've had and this is how long you've been playing for so there's ways and you can look at uh, different seeds of like other individual games or I'm sorry uh, individuals games so you can more or less compete that way um, and then at the same time, as you're playing, once again, because it's procedurally generated, you can keep trying it and get better and yada yada and try different items and abilities. But for the most part, for individuals who are uh, generally at least like me, I'm more kind of a one and done with games. Um, for those that like this have more of a storyline and you kind of beat it, I think if this was more procedurally generated in the fact where every time you did it, it was like immensely different then i would keep playing it but i don't think this will be a game that i keep picking up over and over again Mm. and last question i promise this is the last question i'm gonna ask you about this have you tried it without the rhythm mode we have a story later on in news cram that talks about uh you can play cadence of hyrule without the rhythm mode i don't really know how that work it seems like it would just basically be a Legend of Zelda game at that point, but uh, well, like, have you tried it at all? I haven't tried it, but I understand what it does. Um, mostly because I just I enjoy the game pacing of the the regular beat mode. But by turning off the music part of it, which it doesn't actually change the soundtrack, but linking unlinking it from the music and the game, essentially what it does is make it more of a excuse me, a strategy game. So think of when you're moving in this game, everything is based on a grid. So every time you move, that's moving one square. And that's essentially movement uh, for anything in this game. It's all grid-based. So the way it works is while you're moving during each beat, so are the monsters. And if you're missing beats, the monsters will still move and they'll take their turn. 
But in this case, they're essentially just removing that, so nothing in the world will move unless you do. So, oh, that's really cool. So it makes basically everything turn-based? Ex- so it changes from rhythm-based to turn-based? Kind of, yeah. So in, in this case, what would happen is you're not pressured to go with that beat. You can take more time and think about, okay, if I move up here, the enemy that's three blocks away is going to move so that they'd be two blocks. And if I move then one block towards them, they would get towards me and be able to attack me. So I should go a different angle and, you know, be able to catch them before they can hit me. So that, that kind of thing. So every time you move, they move and you get to plot out really where you need to go without the um, pressure of that music ticking down and you having to move each time. Cause that's really the way the game works in general is you have to be fast enough to think on your feet because you have to move every time the beat hits. And if you don't, you'll miss, which will screw up your modifier. And the monsters will keep continuing to kind of move around you and perform their actions. Uh, I guess this is actually the last question. Do you think this will make you uh, play Crypt of the Necrodancer? Or is it just you hopped in because it's a Legend of Zelda game? Honestly, I've heard that Crypt of the Necrodancer is a lot more um, challenging. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I kind of want to because at least, I'm not sure um, at this point, but just a day ago I saw that it was almost down to like only three bucks on Steam. So part of me is like I might as well just go for it and see – what the difference is to kind of compare them since it's such a low price point when normally I think it's like a $20 pickup. Uh, I, I think I might do it. It depends because there's also a lot coming out, but I might have some time to actually squeeze that one in. We'll see. Yeah, hopefully over the summer we have a nice little lull, which is kind of weird to ask for from a gamer and uh, like a journalist perspective. But hopefully there's a nice little lull where you can just play your backlog. Or basically what I'm doing now is just ignoring every other game that's coming out and playing my backlog. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's pretty crazy. Like, there's two stories in uh, our list that we're going to talk about that come out on July 11th. And the Messenger DLC also comes out on July 11th. Like, July, which is coming up real quick, is going to be a hectic month. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh, It seems like everybody's just randomly choosing the same date out of nowhere. It's like they had some sort of focus testing that said July 11th was the best idea. They're like, oh, yeah, July 13th, not a good idea at all. For some reason, this odd number, like, really pisses people off. I guess so. Maybe. Yeah, I don't really understand. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. For me, what I've been playing this week, uh, I played a little bit more of The Witcher, Witcher 3. Nice. Enjoying it. Still not going to buy it on Switch. Just going to play it on my PS4 like a normal person. Are you sure? Um, and uh, I'm very sure. I'm 100% sure. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, and honestly, you, something really sucks for me because I'm very excited for games to come out, but I'm going to try not to buy them. So I wrote a piece for Handsome Phantom about like some awesome indie games shown at uh, at E3, and I was like, man, dude, I really, really want to play CrossCode, but I'm not going to buy it on fucking PC. It's I'm going to wait for it to come to consoles. It looks awesome, and I love Isekai anime, and this apparently is very similar to an Isekai anime, and it's so awesome, and I really want to try it, but I'm not going to try it till it comes to consoles, and seemingly it's not going to come anytime soon, so I whatever. Mean, it'll come to the Switch. 
Yeah, I'll buy it on the Switch. I mean, uh, supposedly, I, I don't think it has a release date for any of the consoles. I would assume they're going to come out all at the same time because it is coming to the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One as well. <clears throat> Hmm. So yeah, I don't sure. know if they're going to stagger that launch or not, like uh, similar to how Hollow Knight did. Um, I I personally think it would be a bad idea, but then when you also think about it, um, people always talk about how like indie games or just games in general, like re-releasing on another platform, kind of it 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 puts like dust in the air. You know what I mean? It hmm. like. It, it reinvigorates people to look at this indie game because now it's also on a like a platform that they wanted before. It's kind of the whole idea behind the episodic model is yeah. that your game never necessarily isn't in the conversation because it's constantly like new things are constantly coming out. Um, so I'm I'm wondering like that seems like the only reason that you would possibly stagger your console releases um that and like in wargroove's case where it released on consoles with the exception of like playstation 4 because they won't do cross like cross play yeah, so yeah, yeah that's that's also a thing um but other than that i've played very little of uh bloodstained ritual of the night oh you got it huh uh, I did not. I, I'm doing a first impressions piece for Handsome Phantom oh. um, that's going to be out by the time that this comes out, so people could check that out if they want to. It's actually going to be my first video feature for them, so I'm actually kind of excited about that. Ooh. But I, I've only played a couple hours of it. Honestly, Miriam, the playable character, this is my biggest issue with it. She moves like a bag of rocks, dude. She is <laughs> so fucking slow. Like, I've always thought your thing about people moving was weird. This is... It's intense. Like, people could say that's reminiscent of something like Symphony of the Night or other Castlevania games. I don't believe it is, dude. She's <laughs> like... It's... In, in my piece, I say it's it's like she's wearing ankle weights like Rock Lee and Naruto, and it's so true. Like, I'm just waiting for her to eventually get faster, and she's not. She's just not. She's just so slow. It's excessive. <laughs> I just can't deal with it. Um, well, I'm glad you said that, because now I'm probably not going to pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you of all people should not try Ritual of the Night if you don't like slow stuff. But of course, we're going to talk about that in our news section. But our first news story is actually over on Game Informer. Uh, this is written by Emma Welch Murphy. That's a cool last name. That's, that's pretty cool. I like hyphenated last names. Don't like what she wrote, but man, I do like her last name. Uh, this is No Man's Sky fans thank Hello Games by purchasing ad space on Billboard visible from its offices. Uh, no Man's Sky was a game that became infamous for undelivering undelivered promises way before Anthem did. But even after all this time and harsh criticism, the developers did not give up hope and worked hard to make the game into what they knew it could be. The community is very happy with what the game has become and the thought... Oh, okay, that makes sense. And the thought of it uh, getting better moving forward is beyond what they could have hoped for. You, do you wonder if maybe she used like the Beyond thing as like a hint at No Man's Sky Beyond? Do you think she did that on purpose? Maybe. I don't think she did, but uh-huh. man, that, that would take. Yeah, that would have been real clever. I just, I'm gonna give her the benefit of the doubt and say she's clever. She did that on purpose. Uh, besides just kind words sent to Hello Games, uh, way sent hello games way through social media the fans uh went to they went above and beyond basically and they purchased ad space uh 
in a billboard directly across from Hello Games that says, thank you, Hello Games. Um, and it links to, I believe, the Reddit for Hello Games, the or Reddit for No Man's Sky. It's r slash No Man's Sky the game. Mm-hmm. At least I, I think so. Um, so the only reason that I, and I feel weird that I always, like, in a way, review articles on this podcast. The only issue that I have with this, and I just want to know your opinion. I feel like this is mostly the reason that I bring it up on the podcast other than venting to the big Josh boy, my, uh, like, therapist of therapists. Um, Not like is that, Yeah. Is that she seems overly negative about like about no man's sky and hello games like achievement she kind of like initially starts off negative she takes a shot at no man's sky and anthem which yes it is infamous for undelivered promises and at the bottom she said a lot of people lost hope in the game but looking at the success it has brought back to itself so far through updates it is hard not to get tempted to give it another look it seems like she herself was somewhat burnt by like no man's sky and is now somewhat bitter about it um i mean it it's you'd be hard pressed to find anybody out there who like a gamer out there who did not get like burnt by no man's sky but am i just like being a little bit too sensitive about this or does this article seem a little bit like inherently negative i think oh, i think you're somewhat right and also you're looking way too into it <laughs> I mean, I looked way too into the fact that she said beyond, too. So it's really not, like, it's not a stretch for my character. Uh, yeah, if anything, it's true. on brand. Let's be real here. Yeah, I mean, uh, negativity aside, I think the great part about this is the community of No Man's Sky, over the weeks, we just keep seeing it again and again. They keep being so much of a force in the news space that I feel like this kind of goes into what you were talking about where they're consistently being talked about in that episodic kind of style, but it's, it's their community that's doing it. Not even no man's sky, which is crazy. Like it's interesting to see or to think about what made this game so in a way positive from a community perspective and how how they really kind of culture or cultivated that to see like you know what are they doing right that other games aren't and for one it could just be that it started out with a much smaller popular base because generally as you get bigger and things i mean look at twitch chat it gets real toxic um but i, I think it's awesome i think it's really funny that a community of people decided to all come together just to give them a, a little shout out for this and like good for the devs. Like they must be really living it up because obviously at the end of the day, that's what they want. Like they want their consumers to have a sense of, you know, enjoyment for the games that they're creating. Yeah, I do. I love that No Man's Sky and his community is constantly in, like, in the news about something amazing they did because generally what we see in the games industry when it comes to, like, communities, and, of course, there are exceptions to the rule, like No Man's Sky's community, but it's almost entirely, like, toxicity, just people being dickheads, like, constantly. I mean, you don't see news articles about it anymore because it's not newsworthy, but... It's well known that like League of Legends has one of the most toxic communities <laughs> that exists in the, just 
in the universe really like there there might be like the worst planet of all time out there just like terrible people Ah, uh, no that's a stretch that's you definitely ever, a stretch. did you ever play league of legends <laughs> i played a little bit with one of my best friends and he was a dickhead to me and i was like i'm not gonna play this game anymore uh, yeah i used to play it a lot back in the day those uh yeah those people are animals if there's any co- if there's any community that's obsessed with gatekeeping culture, it's League of Legends. Like it's it's fucking crazy. Like if you're not immediately great, you're just you're scrub like piece of garbage that shouldn't play the game. But that's the negative part of this story. I don't want to be inherently negative about this awesome story. No Man's Sky's community is absolutely amazing, and Hello Games has done so many amazing things. I'm still holding out hope. The Psychic Boys are going to come back again. We're going to strike again, and No Man's Sky, uh, Hello Games is going to announce it. No Man's Sky Beyond is going to include crossplay. I'm telling you right now, it's going to happen, bro. It's it's going to happen. They didn't say anything at E3, so the Psychic Boys were kind of wrong. But, you know, when we're looking <laughs> into the future, when we're, when we're using our brain powers. We're just looking too far ahead. Yeah, I mean, maybe not even too far ahead. It's just a little bit cloudy, you know? It's like uh, it's like people when they used to read bones. They used to interpret bones. Like it's kind of like that. It's not an exact science, okay? It's <laughs> it's I'm not going to give you dates and times, and it's very possible that we are changing the future by looking at it because we are indeed psychic boys a shout out to actually i kept my twitter feed up to specifically say this shout out to frederick hollerstrom i i i'm sorry if i said your name wrong (laughs) thank you so much for making the psychic boys t-shirt design i'm gonna tell you right now and this is just gonna show how much of a garbage person i truly am i did not shit my pants i'm sorry i'm sorry i didn't do that for you (laughs) yeah josh was waiting for the shit update i was like man i really need to showcase how just terrible of a person i am and the first thing i'm gonna do is lie to my community yeah that's that's exactly what i need to do but thank you so much for that awesome t-shirt design it's fantastic you know what i bet you no one's gonna get you a billboard now um honestly if they don't i'm gonna be pissed at this point we're just so huge we got our own t-shirt design it's gonna nah that's not it's ridiculous i can't believe it (laughs) Uh, but speaking of ridiculous, our next news story is over on Polygon. It is written by uh, Michael McWhorton, maybe. Uh, this is, yeah, let's go with that. Uh, Bloodstained launch trailer. Bloodstained's launch trailer shows off playable Shovel Knight and teases Child of Light. Um, so I wanted to talk about not necessarily the news story underneath this but more of the trailer itself it is very cool that you can play as shovel knight and from what i've seen of like uh, some other people's gameplay of the game um you can actually like shovel knight is a possible like it's a spell that you can use where you basically summon shovel knight and he like kind of shovels dirt at your enemies and it hurts <laughs> them it's weird as hell the fact that you can play as shovel knight is super cool and any sort of tease at Child of Light is very, very cool. But this video itself has just as poor lip syncing as the fucking game does. <laughs> it's atrocious. I didn't say that initially when I was talking about Bloodstained. But yeah, this video's it's lip syncing is just as bad as the game. It's so bad. I, I yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that. Not a fan um and yeah how do you feel about shovel knight being a playable character <laughs> uh what a tangent um so wait so 
have you played a Shovel Knight yet, then? No, huh? I haven't played it as myself. I, I've only played a couple hours. I haven't unlocked okay. it. I just saw in the trailer that you could, and then I've seen other people's gameplay, like late game gameplay, um, gotcha. and I've seen them summon Shovel Knight. I don't know how any of it works. Uh, okay, I was going to say. Yeah, that's interesting, because I was like, can you just play the whole game as Shovel Knight? Like, I guess not in that regards. I don't, I don't know. I think, it's, I think it's really cool. One, because... I don't really care as much about Shovel Knight. Like, I enjoyed the series, but, like, I also think this is kind of weird in the setting for him to be there. Um, but I like this because I, I really like the direction that a lot of independent developers are taking of being like, hey, you give me your IP, I'll give you mine kind of a thing of just, like, trading off putting characters into everyone's game. Because, one, it's obviously for promotion of it, but... Too, it's just it's so awesome because there's people out there who probably were like on the fence about this but if they're hardcore shovel knight fans they're gonna be like oh i could play as him like hell yeah i'm gonna buy the game but i don't know i think it's definitely strange from the context of the game i don't know why shovel knight makes makes sense or why child of light would either but i definitely think it's interesting I don't understand Child of Light at all, especially because, like, its gameplay is completely different. Um, but I somewhat understand Shovel Knight just because Shovel Knight is meant to be a throwback to, like, early days of Castlevania and Mega Man, like yeah. that retro style. I guess that's so true. I kind of understand it, but yeah, you're right, it is weird. I do also really share the sentiment of how awesome it is that indie game developers have kind of banded together and just, yeah, shared IP. That's awesome. They're they're just working together instead of working in competition. They're just like, yeah, dude, Indie Pogo. Why not create an entire fighting game featuring indie game like indie game characters that is not made by the actual indie game developer? Like Shovel Knight is an indie Pogo. Um, that weird like Michelin Man from uh, Downwell is an indie pogo (laughs) (laughs) whatever he is he's just like a white just mass of i would assume flesh but i don't know with gun boots he's got he's got them shooty booties shooty boots (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, i it's no it, it definitely is an interesting area and a different like it's an interesting time for independent developers i think this is a really good call of like we're getting into this weird area, very Super Smash Brothers-esque of like, you really don't know what character might show up in a game. Yeah, yeah, it is It is really, really weird. Um, Something I do love that's in the comments of this article is that down there, people are asking if... Uh, so if you didn't know, actually, during the initial Kickstarter campaign for this that started back in 2015... They had announced that there is going to be a Wii U, like PS3, Vita ports, like a bunch of different ports that they ended up actually canceling. Um, and I love that there's like so many, there's like four people in the comments asking about it. They're like, <laughs> hey, you got that Vita port? You got that Wii U port? Who the nope. fuck is playing this on Wii U? I have no idea. But also, they did cancel the Wii U port and then they ended up like making the Nintendo Switch port. So kind of got the better end of that stick i mean real yeah it's much better on switch what do you got like what are you doing with a wii u just buy a switch so much better have you seen that weird like uh there's been this thing going around 
on Twitter about like it's a cross between either a Wii or a Wii U and a GameCube, and it looks like a Game Boy. Uh, that sounds like a lot going on. No, <laughs> yeah, it's it's really weird. I I don't really understand it. Um, but on to our next news story. This is over on bgcharts.com. I guess I've never. I just knew about this and wanted to talk about it on the podcast, and uh, this was seemingly the only person who talked about it. That's kind of the whole reason we started the podcast is because not many people actually talk about indie games, which is super annoying. Um, <laughs> this is Eagle Island release date revealed, and apparently this is news. I just I thought it's weird that in their title they're like Dash News. Um, publisher Screenwave Media and developer Pixel Nix announced the platformer Eagle Island will launch for the Nintendo Switch via the eShop and Windows PC via Steam on July 11th. Oh yeah, boy, dude. This is a Psychic Boys thing. Yeah. We yeah. I mean, I guess that we were going to get a release date. Sure, you can add the caveat that I said it was going to be at E3. You could suck my ass. It should have been at E3. Let's be real. Should have reached out to kind of funny pixel nicks, but whatever, dude. I'm still <laughs> excited. I'm very freaking excited. This game looks awesome, and I'm interested to play. I also do... I noticed this because we have these two like stories back-to-back. So Koji Igarashi also known as Iga, made Bloodstained, and he was one of the original developers on the early Castlevania games. And then your owl, your loyal owl companion in this is named Koji. Any similarity? Is it possibly named Koji because of Koji Igarashi? I don't know. I'm just saying, seems pretty crazy. Seems pretty not coincidental, if you know what I mean. Uh, all right, well... All crazy theories aside, the game <laughs> looks pretty cool. <laughs> it looks really confusing <laughs> when I was watching the the gameplay, just because I haven't seen a lot about this game. Are you just like chucking eagles at people? Yeah, it's it's entirely about falconry. Um, so you have like, from what I understand, you either have one owl or you have multiple, and you actually yeah you toss them at them, and at certain points you can actually unlock like different elemental versions of owls. I believe through certain like talismans or trinkets. Yeah, magical feathers transform your owl into different elemental forms. So you use those, and you can change it with like this cool little like wheel of different elements. Um, and then you just basically toss it. You something that's really cool about this is that when you're in the air and you toss the and you actually toss your owl it gives you like a quick boost into the air so you can i've seen like the developer on twitter he does like a 10 um like a 10 hit combo and he'll jump into the air and then just basically be beaming enemy after enemy and he just slowly comes down to the ground but it's it's just kind of interesting i really like that uh developers are trying to really experiment with platforming similar to like the uh the like slice dash mechanic you know what i mean of the messenger how if you sliced you could then like gain an additional jump which is kind of crazy for platformers because it just adds an additional like element to everything yeah watching some people speed run uh the messenger is really nuts yeah, watching people speedrun anything is amazing. <laughs> uh, speaking of speedrun, there is a uh, story roguelike and speedrun modes in Eagle Island, which for speedrun fans, I mean, that's not my thing, but that's awesome for you guys. Yeah. I'm, I'm, ve- I'm more excited about the, the gameplay mechanic to it. I don't, 
I don't care too much about the speed run. I think it's interesting the roguelite part, though. I kind of want to see what that's all about. Yeah, um, I've seen, like, the trailer for it saying that it has, like, I believe it says it has, like, 500 unique, like, unique, um, fuck, what am I thinking? It, it's <laughs> Like, combinations? <laughs> like, what, like, unique yeah, enemies, like five, rooms? Like, like, two to 500 unique dungeons, I okay. believe, which I would assume is because they're, like, randomly generated. Yeah, so, I think yeah. that's where the roguelike stuff from, comes from. Also, you can get, like, different power-ups, different relics and stuff like that throughout the game Mm -hmm. uh, through chests. Mm -hmm. So if you have randomized environments, then I would assume the loot that you get within them is also randomized. Yeah, probably just pick it up a different order. There was, uh, who was it? Uh, Book of Demons, which is, like, a a (laughs) card-based Diablo game. No! <laughs> um they they did the same thing where they just had a roguelike version of the game and they were just like you have no say in what kind of abilities or cards you're going to get during the game so it'll change up the run entirely so yeah th- that's probably something to that nature yeah yeah i would i would assume so are you gonna pick up eagle island on the 11th or are you just gonna play the messenger dlc what's up dude (sighs) now i'm putting you on the spot i'm probably just gonna play the messenger i mean this game looks really fun actually uh, i'm not gonna lie it does seem like a game i would be into but uh, i can't josh why you hurting me like this bro i can't do telling me that you like it and now you're telling me you're not gonna play it i can't i can't do the messenger dirty like that it needs it needs my love and I have to give it all. <laughs> yeah, you need to fight them squid people. You need to surf on that, like, bone boat. Yeah, man. I'm super excited about that. Errol can suck it. He <laughs> those, those chase scenes, we're, they're great. He doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> I mean, also, great innuendo with bone boat. Didn't come up with it on purpose, but that's a good one right there. Thank you. <laughs> People who developed the messenger because I, was, I forget what your name is. I, was, I didn't even understand it after you said it. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, so and delayed. our last news story for today is a pretty sweet one. It's over on Rock Paper Shotgun, and it is Try the Children of Morta demo before it vanishes on Saturday. So I hope they uh, wrote it just like you said it. I wish there was um, a way to convey that in text. Uh, yeah, like maybe like dots at the end, like kind of like an ampersand, you know what I mean? Like no, you're kind of no. running out of breath. No, because no? that would be before it vanishes on Saturday. Ah, uh, that's true. That's true. That so the only air. actual bit of news in this article, uh, little did you know, Josh and I talked about this before the podcast, is a single line, which is <laughs> you can try it for yourself too and should probably do so quickly as the demo is available now on Steam and is only going to be up for grabs for 72 hours, which would end this Saturday. Uh, the rest of this article is entirely opinion, um, but it is nice that they talk about the Children of Morta launching on uh, the 20th. 8th it's going to be 1979 i guess maybe i don't i don't know if that's true that would kind of annoy me if it is it's going to be released on uh steam and eventually gog it's published by 11-bit studios okay so i don't know 100 percent if this is releasing like on consoles as well um immediately but it is confirmed that Merge Games is actually putting out a physical retail version of this game. So, so I don't know if that's coming later or if that's... Yeah, I'm definitely going to get that. That's absolutely what I'm going to get. So if it does come later, I guess I'm not experiencing Children of Morta immediately. Oh, sad days. But, yeah, they should put it out immediately. 
Really. Let's be real here. Do it. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I mean, this is uh, this is everything you hope for, Children of Morta. Are you going to play the demo? I Yeah, I'll probably play the demo. I hate that I have to play it on PC for being real. Oh, my goodness. Um, you... But... You, you're so spoiled by these consoles. Spoiled. It's just now. It just makes sense. It's it's just accessibility. Now I don't have to update drivers and nobody updates drivers. That that shit is automatic. I'm not even joking. Listen to this shit. Yesterday I go to play uh, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night on my PC and I get a pop-up window letting me know that yes, my graphics card can indeed run this, but I should update it because the game apparently has issues with the version I have and I should update my graphics card and I was like, you can fuck right off. I'm not going to do that. Mm. I'm just going to play this game, Well, which it worked perfectly fine. Well then, <laughs> see, everything's okay. You calm down. But as far as I know, it would have crashed my system, Josh. I'm just saying. Well, I don't like to. I like how I'm saying I. Sh- I don't like to have to update things all the time. But play like consoles probably update yeah, way more than they, PCs do. <laughs> every every time I go to my PlayStation, I have to wait like 30 minutes for it to update everything. Also, how often do you touch it, though? I mean, that's the thing. <laughs> I always <laughs> I always come back like a couple months later, and I'm like, oh Jesus. <laughs> yeah exactly you come back a couple months later you're gonna sit through like four hours of like just system updates and bullshit like that i turn on my playstation 4 at least once every day Ooh, um so i very rarely ever have to worry about them but i also never leave it in rest mode some people do that that bothers me i'm afraid it's gonna burn my house down it will i'm yeah i'm very skeptical <laughs> um but have we talked about this game at all <laughs> I think we just rambled for like 10 minutes. I mean, we talked about the demo. I'm going to play the demo. I mean, there's there's not much else to talk about the game unless you want to read the, the person at Rock, Paper, Shotguns, like what they thought was cool about the game, which was basically nothing. They just thought it was a game. Well, it's a game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're not wrong. They're not wrong. You know what's also not wrong? What's the that? big bone boat. Yeah, that's oh, a good segment. Yeah. That's a that's a sweet segue over oh, I... into us getting crammed in news cram. <laughs> cram, 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 cram. Ooh, big bone boat. Let's do it. Does that need to be another t-shirt idea? The big the bone big boat. Bone boat. Where's the big? <laughs> <laughs> what would that look? like? I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to. Never mind. Let's not go into that. Just a phallic image. <laughs> Just a phallic. <laughs> Just a big bone and a boat. Would it be like? Is that like a boat that has one big bone, or is it a big bone that has turned into a boat? I would say it would be just like a big, like a bone that's horizontal can also be used as a boat, and it looks similar to a cucumber, but more fleshy. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it looks a little bit more like, uh, yeah, it just looks more fleshy, more meaty. If it, maybe a vein or two on it, I mean, because that's what bones look like, right? Let's say you get the bone marrow around. I don't. I don't like this. <laughs> I don't like it at our, all. <laughs> our first news story over on Newscram is on IGN, and it is Journey developers' new game Sky to release uh, in July E3 2019. So the, apparently that was released. That was announced at E3. Um, the <laughs> next one is also on IGN. It is Chivalry 2 announced for PC. Ooh. Then we're over on Polygon with you can play Cadence of Hyrule without the rhythm mode. 
like I said earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, then we're over on Polygon. We got Skatebird is the feel-good success story of V3. Dude. I do have something weird to say about this. Skatebird looks so cool, though. Don't shit on it. No, I'm not going to at all. I'm very excited for Skatebird. So is Gary Witta. Yeah. So me and Gary Witta, basically best friends now. Yo. Little did you know. Okay, well, first, t- say what you want about Skatebird. I have one comment about this. Um, okay, so the, the I just find it weird that they thought it was such like a crazy thing to do to announce, I believe, like he and To announce the a game at E3? Who would have fucking thought? Yeah, like <laughs> I, I believe the developer announced the Kickstarter at E3 and they're like, oh my god that's a crazy like revolutionary idea i can't believe that worked and i'm like i mean what the fuck are you talking unexplored about unexplored 2 did it like a day before them in the pc gaming show so yeah i don't understand like okay so skatebird as far as i know was only featured in the kind of funny game showcase for e3 and they also released the kickstarter at that time i don't see like how that was in any way a risky decision yeah. They're like, oh, it totally could have bombed. And I'm like, okay, I get that it's like it's up against a lot of like other big titles mm-hmm. during E3, a lot of big news. No. But if you're going to show your game at E3 and it's an indie game, why would you not also release your Kickstarter, especially if it's being featured in something that's literally just about indie games? Yeah, I don't know. People I mean, came here for indie games. I mean, I kind of get it because, like, th- like there's it, it's there's both sides to it. Because one, there's you know that's the right time to do it. E3 is about announcing games. It's about the hype. It's about you know, hey, look at all this stuff that's coming out. And the fact that it's one of the ones that is like, hey, you can actually do something about this right now because you can go and back it rather than just be like, cool, a game that I'll play in a month. Um, I think is good. But at the same time, there's also 60 games that were announced in the kind of funny thing. So it's like, it's pretty easy to get lost in the sauce, if you know what I mean. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. How likely do you think that this is going, like, releasing your, like, uh, Kickstarters, your crowdfunding, um, whether it's, like, Fig, Kickstarter, Indiegogo, whatever, how likely do you think it is that this is going to become the next, like, games releasing in spring? Meaning, Mm. no games released in spring, and then I believe, like, Dying Light did, did so well because everyone was starved for content Mm -hmm. that now every fucking game comes out in spring. You think there's going to be just a whole like shift in games? Yeah. How likely do you think it's gonna? How likely do you think it's gonna be that people see that this did so well, that the Kickstarter did so well because it was announced at E3, that next E3 we're gonna see the next like kind of funny game showcase or whatever, and it's gonna be like Kickstarter, 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 Kickstarter. Yeah. I mean, I think I think that's a pretty justifiable thought because. I haven't, at least in my knowledge of, like, E3's past, ever really seen this kind of, like, uh, use of FIG or Kickstarter of saying, hey, we have our, you know, our campaigns available. You should check it out. Just because it's, it is a little against the nomenclature of what E3 is about, of showing off that game that's to come, since it's not really a for sure thing. Um, But I definitely think that it, makes a lot of sense for the the reason I, I explained before of you actually have a tangible action not really tangible but you have a specific action that you could go and take during that e3 when most of the announcements are just things that are like here's some stuff that will come eventually and it's like okay cool but there's no like 
I have an action to do on that, or I have something like it's not actually buying the game or going out and playing the demo that might be on the Kickstarter page or, you know, like things like that. So I, I think, I think that that definitely will be more of a thing, especially now that E3 is kind of going to more of a virtual platform anyway. Um, at least that's what it seems to be alluding to with the the fact of, you know, PlayStation dropping out and a lot of the companies Everybody are doing direct directs. Yeah, content. companies moving <laughs> towards directs. So I think it makes sense because it's easy for you to still compete with a lot of these big name brands when everything is turning digital anyway. You don't have to, you know, be there on the E3 floor to make an appearance kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. And also I think, I'm going to say two more things about this. Um, One, I think it is a little bit weird that everybody thinks it's crazy to announce a Kickstarter during... Uh, during an E3 showcase, especially because the exact same thing happens with mainstream games. So when I worked for GameStop, games would get announced at E3 and almost immediately we would have pre-orders available for them. Right. So it's it's a similar thing, but of course it's completely different yeah. um, because one is like this game is coming out unless for some reason it gets canceled. And another is like, hey, we need to fund development. The second thing I want to say is there's absolutely no way that Skatebird in in any universe would not have a successful Kickstarter in basically in the game space we're in right now because everyone is so starved for good skate games. The fact that every is literally every year they're like, hey, EA, where's Skate 3? And it's like, well, now you got Skatebird, guys, so shut the fuck up. Just play Skatebird. It looks really cool. looks super weird. It's got a rewind mechanic for some reason that I think is really awesome. Yeah. And you should back it on Kickstarter. The, um, the soundtrack alone is one of the things that really interests me because when we, when we first did a, um, a news article on Skatebird a couple episodes back, we were like, oh, this will probably be, at least based on the initial trailer, we said, oh, this will probably be, you know, very Tony Hawk-esque where it'll be more of a skate punk kind of um, aesthetic to it uh, where you're listening and it, it has that kind of old school vibe. Um, but what they've actually done, if you read the Kickstarter, is they had a composer create all of the music himself uh, or herself. I'm not sure uh, of the gender. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought about that. Um, the composer created all of it themselves and... They're going for more of a uh, lo-fi hip-hop kind of sound to it, but they they titled it Lo-Fi, and because in here they're not called birds, they're called burbs, it's Lo-Fi Burb Hop, which I thought was <laughs> hilarious. And also as I was listening to some of the songs, basically what they did is they, they did like lo-fi songs of like kind of very mellow-ish but hip-hop-esque, but they have like a lot of backdrops of like these what sound like old school radio announcers talking about like fish and birds and stuff of like the sparrow eats the trout or something like that, like really fucking strange. So I was like, this is going to be such a, like a, a sleeper of a soundtrack. Like I'm, I'm sure this is going to be one of those things where when the game comes out, I'm immediately going to be like, okay, how can I get the soundtrack just so I can listen to that? Yeah. I I'll guarantee the skatebird is going to be the next like indie darling. There's I I feel like there's almost no way that this game comes out and isn't a massive hit. Which, once again, this could be me just giving 
far too much credit to people, but I I really feel like Skatebird's going to be great. Um, is that what you wanted to say about Skatebird? <laughs> Yeah, I think I, I, think I feel we like can I should on. actually ask you before we yeah, move on, no. since man, we should have just put it. in I know this. Should, yeah, we didn't even so we didn't really even cram this one. <laughs> uh, the next one is over on Polygon. Is Spiritfarer is beautiful and touching with a strong Animal Crossing vibe. Only gonna say about this. Only thing I'm gonna say about this is. I don't really play Animal Crossing, but I don't see in any world how the Spirit Fair feels like Animal Crossing, but all right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Super <laughs> staying weird, on po- <laughs> Yeah. Uh, staying on Polygon, we've got Valforus, maybe? Is so. a heavy metal side-scroller from the creators of Slain, Back from Hell. Then, staying on Polygon, uh, the last oasis pits giant walking structures against each other on a scorched earth. Last oasis looks real cool. Looks very, very interesting. Um, now we've got... Oh, what I wanted to say was, with The Last Oasis, it reminds me a lot of Worlds Adrift with our... Uh, like, two weeks ago, how we talked about how Worlds Adrift was... Like, Worlds Adrift was basically being canceled. They were right. shutting down the online yeah, servers. Yeah. The Last Oasis looks, a, like, looks really similar to it. And I don't know if that's a good thing or if that's a bad thing. It's kind of, I'm up in the air about it right now, but uh, it looks better, I should say. Like, the art style looks better, looks a little bit more realistic instead of, like, cartoony in a way. And, like, Worlds Adrift kind of look like Absolver's art style, mm. and The Last Oasis looks a little bit more, like, realistic, I guess. So maybe that'll help people out. Maybe it'll be even better. Maybe. I don't know. Plus, their team uh, name is Donkey Crew. What a cool name. <laughs> Uh, also on Polygon, Griftland's deck building strategy game Looks goes into cool. alpha on July 11th. Yeah, why didn't we talk about this Looks in news? Cool. I thought you'd be really excited about it. I'm trying to limit my amount of time that I talk about card-based games. Because you're slowly like Dude, realizing I, that yeah, they're your favorite I was like, games? <laughs> I was, so, uh, obviously, spoilers for people who are listening, but our next uh, segment will have a card-based game that I gush about um i imagine that's a shocker to our fans i know if we have any uh <laughs> i mean we've got at least one yeah he, and he makes cool Psychic designs boys. for us <laughs> uh or her we don't know the gender <laughs> also true um but yeah because I, I was i don't know all right fine i like card games just shut up you all right? fucking love card games <laughs> why are you denying it <laughs> because i don't like the normal games that you think of when someone says card games they're like do you want to play hearthstone or magic the gathering or like Yu-Gi-Oh! Well, okay. that's a trading but. card game we're talking about card games totally different 100 mm. percent. i'm pretty sure that when you <laughs> say card games that's what the majority would move towards yeah, because they don't know the lingo. All it's, right. it's all about them, like, card games, not the TCGs. Even though I like TCGs, fucking Yu-Gi-Oh! for life, dude. Wish I would have played Neopets and Metabots when I was young, because they're super cool. Uh, our next news story is moving out from Polygon. Uh, no, it's not, actually, because that's the wrong one. Uh, <laughs> then the next news story is off Polygon. It is Midnight Ghost Hunts pits you against a squad of ghost hunters. Looks real cool. Yeah, it reminds me of Carrion, how instead of playing, like, the, the ghost hunter, you actually play, like, seemingly the ghost. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool. Um, now, over on Game Informer, we got, this is an exclusive. Uh, read-only memories 
has a sequel announced. <gasps> that's, I, I didn't play the first one, but that's cool. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> then uh, something I really didn't like know I wanted, and I'm going to tell you right now, I didn't want it. Um, Imagine Dragons is coming to Beat Saber. I don't care. I don't like Imagine Dragons. Nah. So, I mean, good for them. But also, can't you put any song in Beat Saber? <laughs> <laughs> the real question is just... Like, why didn't you put any other song in Beat Saber instead of any Imagine Dragons songs? <laughs> this is what the people need. I mean, the, what the people need is, dude, you could put Old Town Road in Beat Saber and people would have, like, lost their shit. Imagine Dragons? Come on, dude. Come on. I don't know. Get your head out of your ass, okay? You uh, now over on Twinfinite, we got Ukulele and the Impossible Lair can be finished in one level. I have no idea what that means, but it seems pretty interesting. It's, uh, also on it, Twinfinite. <laughs> it basically just means that it's a speedrunner's dream because the game teaches you how to play the game as you play through each of the levels, but you could also just go to the final world right away and just be like, nope, I'm good at platformers. I'm just going to play it. Oh, that's really sweet. So it's like, uh, hey, you could have the coddling version or the not. Pretty much. And see how good you do. Uh, also on Twinfinite, we've got Sunny's stealth game El Hijo, maybe, uh, gets a <laughs> new trailer at E3 PC Gaming Show. <laughs> El Hijo. Sure it is. <laughs> There's an H in there. What are you talking about? The H is silent. The J is an H. This is bullshit. <laughs> Uh, then we got Terraria enters its twilight phase with Journeys and Expansion. Uh, we also have Chucklefish announces Starmancer, which is like, in quotations, Dwarf Fortress in space. Honestly, didn't know the Dwarf Fortress wasn't in space. So there you go. Mm -hmm. um, then we're moving over to Nintendo Life. We've got Overcooked 2's latest DLC adds horrifying horde mode. Uh, also on Nintendo Life, take an isometric... Uh, take on an iso isometric survival game. Fuck, dude. I can't believe I can't read this title. That's tough. It's really throwing me off. My eye feels weird right now. It's, it's, mm. I'm breaking down. I'm just dying. Let's be real here. Well, you'll make it. <laughs> I'll just sit here and watch. I, I'm going to make it until Psychonauts 2 comes out, and then I'll die. Ooh, I'll be fine with that. Baby. I mean, well, you have to play it first. You can't die right away. Then what's the point? <laughs> That's true. Yeah, if that was a genie wish, I would have absolutely just effed myself. Yeah. I would have played myself, what are you dude. Doing, bro? You gotta, <laughs> gotta pay attention. That's why I gotta tell genies not to fuck with you, dude. It's kind of funny rules. The first like wish is don't fuck with me, genie. Uh, is that how it works? It's solid. I would. I guess. Right. Uh, then you've got take on an isometric survival adventure when distrust crash lands on switch okay that's yeah, for it's some it's weird reason weird <laughs> uh nicholas reveals ikaruga physical release for switch uh then we've got indie developer shares bad news about publishing on switch after pitching his game to nintendo did you i mean did you read that full story it was i did not read it but i watched the video and i was like why is this a story the kid like that's making the game he's a cute kid i i actually really feel sympathy for him but I don't understand how this is a news story. Yeah, it just seems a little, like, harsh on the fact that they're just like, oh, Nintendo doesn't like anyone, and that's not true. I feel like there's just times where Nintendo is a big corporation and they have to put their foot down in certain situations. So, like, yeah, it's a mass communication, but, like, do you think that the head of Nintendo or the people that are working on this are going to write every single one of 
the people that they have to reject a like personalized letter they probably get so many different submissions like every day yeah i mean it does suck that uh i imagine as a developer let alone just like i have reached out to people and wanted to just write oh yeah it's heartbreaking of course it is yeah they've they've like sent me a rejection letter that seemed like just a copy and paste letter with like oh fill in the blank with his name kind of a thing Mm -hmm. that really sucks let alone like creating a game mm-hmm. and like being as young as this guy seems. Um, I imagine it's kind of like it's heartbreaking, but I do love that this indie developer was not at all disheartened by this. He talks about in the video that he is going to like, he's actually just going to like switch focus, no longer try to develop for a Nintendo Switch. Instead, he's going to fix his game to run on iOS. And then he's going to basically like try to partner up with an independent publisher and once again, try to go to the Nintendo Switch. So I would say the best part about this news story is something that was seemingly buried is that like this indie dev not only is he young and it's really cool that he's making indie games at whatever his age is he just either he's extremely youthful or he's young um (laughs) which are both good i guess (laughs) yeah that's awesome but also just kind of like his spirit to keep going on even though he got rejected by nintendo is fantastic that really should have been the news story if anything yeah i just don't like the way it was framed or it was like nintendo is the big bad guy in this and i was like well i mean yes and no because it's like they're running a business yeah and i mean now you know that nintendo actually rejects stuff yeah well which means that they're like which means that the massive amount of games that are coming to their console is on purpose yeah which also means that some of those games like the there's like an a game that's literally like uh what was it santa tracker or something and it's like some bs like just the super dumb like seemingly ios cash grabs yeah like some of those are still getting through yeah so you're like what's up nintendo they how did they get an indie publisher like did they just say that they were an indie publisher yeah i don't know uh speaking of indie publishers we've got our next article on in nintendo life and it is gris physical edition switch pre-orders will soon go live that's super cool yeah, dude, I love me some physical games, as everybody knows. Mm-hmm. Um, then we've got, maybe this is how you say this, Chris Tales is an indie love letter to classic JRPGs, and it's coming to the Switch. Are you yawning? Or I was, no, I was midway or... through a burp, dude. Oh, I, was I, like, like... <laughs> I had like the burp in my throat while I was saying that, and I like did the thing where you like crane your neck to try to hold it in, you know what I mean? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Did you... Yeah. Did you get it? Are you good? Yeah, I got it out. I feel better. Whew, close one. All right. Yeah. Last one. I could have blown up. That's what I've heard from my parents. Oh, yeah. They're liars, they but are. I've heard <laughs> They're filthy that liars, if you hold but... in burps or farts, you'll blow up. That would be crazy. There would be yeah, so many explode. Like, how could you get away with that lie? There would be too many people exploding. So I'm going to ask you an extremely personal question, even though I promised I wouldn't ask these anymore in random questions. Have, have you ever held in a fart and it like it made your stomach like rumble and feel weird? Oh, yeah, of course. That happens. Yeah, dude. Anytime you get like a little bit nervous, that shit will happen. Like I remember when I was really young and there were times where it's usually when you're like on a first date that would always happen. And I'm like, oh, man, I got to fart. But you're like, I'm not going to fart in front of her because then she's going to smell it and then she's 
she'll never talk to me again. So I got to hold it in. But then you're like, oh, now my stomach feels like shit. And it, it's just a whole big ordeal. Yeah, like growls and you're like, sorry, I'm just really hungry. Yeah, I'm so, <laughs> <laughs> so glad I have a wife now who I could just fart in front of and not feel uh, any uh, any need to keep away the stink. Yeah, right? I mean, one of my favorite things to do is, like, when my girlfriend just decides to, like, cuddle me at night, um, which is, it's not that often because I'm, like, a heater and she gets hot really quickly, Um, but when she decides to cuddle me and, like, my bud is basically just, like, right on her stomach and just rip one, dude, right on (laughs) her. That's gross. It's so funny. You nasty. (laughs) Uh, so our last news article in this, after I asked you some weird ass like toilet questions, um, <laughs> is rotating platformer Alien Escapes twists and turns on to Switch next week. Uh, so Josh, we've been blessed with so many amazing indie games news stories today that I think it's about time we give back to the creators in our next segment. God bless the crowd. This is where Josh goes into all sorts of awesome crowdfunding sites. Fig, Indiegogo, which we I don't think we've had yet, but that would be cool. Uh, Kickstarter, other ones we've, that I don't had, know if they exist We've or had not. Indiegogo before. Oh, we have? Yeah, yeah I haven't paid had, attention, I guess. Uh, what was it? It was the one that was based on that comic. I can't remember. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do remember that. Um, can't tell you what the name is, but mm. man, that comic was cute. Yeah, like, that's That girl looked really cute. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Josh pops in, grabs some awesome indie games to talk about, generally card games, uh, because he's just <laughs> obsessed with them. This what week, we've got... Yeah, you you love them. That's what you could say. I guess so. That you love card games. Um, this week, we've got only one. Normally, we've got two, but Josh, like, he he grabbed it. I'm going to tell you right now, this looks like a good one. I do I do have to, like... I can't tell if it's sarcasm. <laughs> It's that's not sarcasm. It actually does look really interesting. I like the art style a lot. Yeah. It is called Rogue Book. Uh, Rogue Book aims to become the ultimate roguelike deck builder based on the legends of Fey Universe or uh, Feria is actually what it's called. They're asking for sixty-seven thousand one hundred sixty-one dollars. They have forty-eight thousand seven hundred thirty-eight dollars currently, with eighteen days left to go. Two thousand two hundred seventy-five backers currently. Uh, this game looks really cool. Um, I had a problem with it, but Ooh, I cannot remember what it is. Um, so well, as we describe it, maybe you'll figure it out. Um, so this, so I'll I'll go over a little bit. About I remember it. what it is. Yeah. Oh, you do? Okay. Let's let's. <laughs> yeah, it. I remember what it is. The the actual video for this talks about Slay the Spire more than it talks about its own game. Yeah, that was my issue they, with they it. They gave an interesting history lesson on like card games and roguelites in general. For, like, yeah, first. this was probably the most I've actually learned from a Kickstarter thing, but not about their own game. Yeah, it was a little strange that they pushed so much of that, but I was like, from my perspective, I was interested in it, and I was like, oh, okay, and I kept watching through, but yeah, they they do go a little hard on this history lesson, and I think that's because they're, they're probably more into an earlier phase of the game and didn't have a ton to show off other than <laughs> more of the, you know, the the small snippets that we get in the GIF images and the uh, the actual like little screenshots, um, but it looks super cool because what it's doing is essentially very similar to most deck building roguelites, um, where you essentially go through and each place play turn or 
God, I don't know why I was thinking that word, mashing up wrong things. Basically, each turn that you uh, go through, you'll navigate a map, and you'll get to decide based on where you're walking through, if you're going to find things to fight, if you're going to find things to shop for, uh, be able to craft, have various events that show up through the game. And then while you're doing that, you're building out a deck of cards, which is your character's attacks and abilities. So... Every time you play the game, it'll restart. And I actually kind of like the lore that they built into this because Rogue Book is about you actually reading a book, which is very strange. But it's essentially the book traps you inside of itself. And each time you open the book, it rewrites itself is how they went about the procedurally generated aspect to this. So you're trying to defeat this book and you're going in with two champions. And the reason why this is different in my mind and looks very interesting is because one, the aesthetic to it of the actual animation and the drawings, like the character design, I think looks very nice. But the main aspect is the fact that you're playing with two champions and each of your cards are based on their specific champions that you or the specific champions you have. So very similar to something like the recent Steam World's quest. But in this case, what happens is each of these cards, when you use one, that character will step in front to attack the enemies. So this is leaving you um, basically vulnerable to the enemies, and you have to strategize what order you're using your cards and you know what the health amount you have for each of those characters is at for what actions you can take. So there's a lot of extra strategy in this of it's not just playing what's the strongest cards that I have. It's about, okay, well, I have to do them in this specific order or I can't use this card because if he goes in front, he's going to die, X, Y, Z. So there's a lot of variables to this. And from reading the description and the things that they're saying they're going to put into it, it seems like there will be a lot of variability in the gameplay as far as as you keep playing you're going to unlock new abilities and new cards that you can start with to make you not only stronger at the start so that there is some form of uh, a progression, even though it's a roguelike that keeps restarting, but also that as you keep going, you'll get new events and unlock new enemies to fight. So it keeps it even more fresh as you're going through the campaign. Yeah, I like I like a lot of this world. Um, I do want to say one more thing that is kind of weird about this trailer. Okay. So they did take a long time explaining what a roguelike card, like deck builder is. Do you think that was necessary in the world we live in today, where it seems like every other game is a roguelike deck builder for them to take eight minutes to explain what it is? I don't think so, but I think what they're trying to do is prove to at least the the people who are in it for already understanding what a roguelike deck builder is. They're trying to basically say, hey, look, we're passionate about it and we really want to do it right. Whereas the people who have no idea, they'll probably lose them on this front because explaining it for that long will just make them not as into it. But I think, like I said, I think what they're really focusing on is they're trying to say like, hey, for those who really understand the genre and like the genre, we want to do this better than it's ever been done before. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. I also do enjoy the fact that, like, uh, seemingly, mo- like, roguelikes, <laughs> they're called roguelikes because of a game called Rogue that was released, but instead of 
like rogue being the thing that people know as a roguelike they use like enter the gungeon yeah. as a roguelike i was like nice <laughs> it's it's kind of funny because when people say metroidvania they generally specifically talk about castlevania or, or like or metroid but it's with roguelikes I don't think most people actually know that that's based on a game that was made in the 1980s. Well, I think, yeah, I think the reason for that is because that game is obviously not as popular and it's not as, I mean, it's it's clearly well-received in the regards of those who are creating this and the diehard fans, but like the roguelike genre blew up more around the time games like spelunky and you know like binding that's true yeah it's like it it wasn't i see where you're going it's much more recent of a thing it wasn't as obviously popular in the eyes of you know the major media from a game's perspective so i think that's really the reason why that aspect of it has kind of been forgotten and it also it also is because when you hear metroidvania that's clearly not a word like like it's an obvious yeah. mashup whereas rogue is yeah it's like a it, fantasy archetype yeah like it's yeah it, i get what you say it doesn't seem like a game it seems like they use that word because it's to generate from the actual word itself kind of a thing uh i gotcha i gotcha so do you think that this Seif the blood tyrant can actually change that little like uh that fiery arm to the other arm because Lower down in some of their character art, his it's the wrong arm. So I'm wondering if I just don't understand how his like fiery arms work or not. But <laughs> <laughs> down on the concept art, it's his right arm, and in everything else, it's his left. Well, What's up, dude? That's concept art. Which arm is it? They they conceptually <laughs> changed it after. <laughs> They're like, he's going to be facing left most of the time, so we actually need to put the cool arm just right up front, dude. It's got to be right there. Something I do really like about this is it's really rewarding to people who like the, I believe you say it, Faria um, Mm -hmm. series because not only is this like it's based within that world, but it's also like part of the narrative and part of just the world building that this has is actually based on the lore of uh, Faria. So they actually talk about later on how, um, like some of the bosses and big like opponents you'll fight are actually bits of the lore that exist within their other game, which is so fucking cool. Huh. I think that's so interesting, especially because it really like it's it's kind of an added bonus for people who are big fans of like the lore of that world because they know nobody else is really going to know like you have to play an entirely other game i'm assuming to actually understand why that's so important but if you know it's like an added layer of awesome yeah that's true it's just gravy it's interesting i'm i'm looking through some of the the stretch goals which i don't think they're gonna hit a lot of these just because they're they get pretty high and they haven't built up enough crazy backing to hit that that goal yet not to say that they won't i definitely think they're gonna make the the initial goal but the stretch goals seem a little off for some of them um but one of them that's really interesting to me is down uh the line for two hundred thousand euros it's giving voices to the characters with team four star do you know who team four star no have you ever watched the dbz abridged series oh I've heard of it. So, yeah, it's it's basically just this group of people who do a bunch of a bridge series of animes of both DBZ and Yu-Gi-Oh! And it's like, 
first off, I, I love him. I don't really watch him, but the few that I have seen have been pretty funny. But I just think it's so strange that it's with that team. Like, why of all people? Yeah, I don't know. That is a good point. Like, that is super weird. I also, um, so they're toting this as, like, a single-player deck builder roguelike. I think it is kind of interesting that one of their stretch goals is actually co-op. I was like, hmm, isn't that not a single-player? <laughs> I mean, if you can make that much money, why not? <laughs> I mean, I understand what they're saying. Like when they say single player, meaning that your opponent is not a person, it's actually single player, but I still think it's weird. Yeah. I don't know how that would <laughs> okay. work either because that seems kind of annoying because you'd basically just be like, I want to use my card. And then someone would be like, no, 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 you can't use that card. Like, I don't know. It just seems weird. Like, I don't know how this would work as a co-op Oh my game, fucking but... God. One of their stretch goals is a battle royale mode. Yeah, I saw that. Fuck <laughs> you. I mean, I, it's so unlikely they're going to hit 800,000 euros, but yeah. It's unlikely, but if they did, and I'm lying again, I'll just... I don't even know. I was going to say I'd kill myself, but... <laughs> they might make it. <sighs> <laughs> you never know. That's so why I prefaced it with I'm lying again. <laughs> <laughs> Got a nasty habit of that. I don't know. Yeah, Honestly, I'm just a liar, the, garbage the game itself, um, right now there's an early bird still left for like 700 people um, to get the game for 26 US dollars, which is a little high for most Kickstarters, but I don't know. I'm kind of thinking about it. And I, I sent it to a buddy of mine who usually plays these kind of games with me. And he was like, I was like, oh, this looks kind of cool. He's like, I already got it. Like, he basically, he didn't say he already <laughs> got it, but he, he just like, he looked at it and was like, this looks awesome. I'm getting it now. And I was like, damn, now I feel like I have to get it. <laughs> so not only you, but I mean, you're kind of like, you have your own little cult of card game, like f lovers. <laughs> That's kind of interesting. Like if anybody's going to pitch a card game, they should pretty much go to you. <laughs> yeah, I'll be your PR. Yeah, you're the master of card games now. <laughs> I don't no no. <laughs> I'm not ready to put on that title. So when you apply to like uh to like IGN to do freelance, they ask you if you are like what would be your expertise a certain game genre? Yeah, would be... You're gonna put card games, I aren't know. you? Yeah, I would I would love to work for IGN for all the card games. That'd be so funny if they literally would not allow you to write anything else but about card games. Oh, You're like, man. I'd, I mean, I'd probably get, and then they made you play like every fucking Yu-Gi-Oh game. I'd get so tired <laughs> so quick. I'd be like, well, I'm going to kill myself now. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. But this game, yeah, is 26 great. bucks is a steep price, especially for early bird. The standard game is $28. Okay. That's $2, $2 guys. Like, really? Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> what? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> what is that even about? Also, they have 72 people who just bought it without the early bird deal. That's interesting. <laughs> Does it give you like something special? Is it the same it's thing? It's the same thing. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why? I don't know. Uh, I mean, it is access to alpha version 20 with 24 hours of your pledge. Um, no, it's the same thing. Private alpha today, yeah, it's, it's the same, same thing. thing. But the interesting thing about it being $26 is this is one of those where you get the alpha right away as well. So it's like, 
a lot of Kickstarters will do that for a higher tier, so they're just kind of lumping them together. And I think it makes sense. It's like we're seeing this in a lot of cases where they're starting to try and push people to be more into the creation of it so that it will come out hopefully to please them, but not only the initial backers, but the individual people who they might then sell the game to later. Something I would like to say that this is just like me talking. It's not about this game, but it's me talking about a previous episode. I felt really cool that the developers of the Unexplored 2 actually reached out to us and told us that we actually like got their fig campaign 100%. Like we understood it exactly what they were trying to do with that campaign. And I was like, yeah, you didn't see that? I didn't see that. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They reached out to us on Twitter and were like, they said that, uh, I'll I'll pull it up. You you just keep vamping. That's, you talk about card what? games. What? That's crazy. They said. Oh man, that's that's awesome. Shout out to them, man. I oh, man, I definitely want to back that too. Guys, too many good games. <laughs> Seriously, I, my wallet cannot handle all this. <laughs> I know, especially because I'm trying to save money to then spend more on indie games, which is kind of interesting. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> So basically, I'm saving money to get, like, I could just buy a tattoo, but I'm saving money so I feel more comfortable buying a tattoo, but it's a Hyper Light Drifter tattoo. Ooh, um, so that's why it's, yeah, it's it's indie games. Damn, I got to find this freaking... All right, that's okay, uh, though. I, the shout-out's awesome, though. Oh, okay, yeah. They said, um, on Twitter, they said, Indie Incursion is not just a really cool podcast on indie games. They actually get the whole idea behind our milestones on the FIG campaign. Have to listen and follow them on Twitter. Damn. Hell yeah. That's awesome, man. Right? Ooh, shout out to us. <laughs> I know. I felt pretty cool about that. I just had to say that. I thought you had see like you had a chance to like look at that on Twitter. Nope. C- completely... Uh missed it i don't know how i'll have to go find that but that's awesome yeah it's very very cool but back to this game their character designs look really really cute with the exception of this uh, creepy ass like tiger with long hair like this blue thing that they have that's like wearing a mask and it reminds me of like the faceless uh like the the face changer from avatar the last airbender kind of creeps me out about the i don't think i like it yeah, 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 the yeah, predator. Yeah. I was looking at the the main characters you can play as. I was like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> it kind of looks like a weird, yeah, like a lion with the arms of the Grinch kind of a thing, and then just no face. Yeah, it looks very Ooh, creepy. Two times twenty five attack is pretty deadly. I don't know how they're gonna get out of that. <laughs> I guess you'll find out if you play the game, which you will, because you love them card games, big boy. I certainly do. I guess. <laughs> So now that we wind down this podcast, I want to ask you a very nice question. (laughs) This is kind of an easy one. It's just an, it's just entirely opinion. And it's basically like the, the reason I wanted to talk about this is mostly because at E3, we got confirmation. There is a division movie and it's going to Netflix. So the division is getting a movie. I also saw an article on IGN that the gears of war movie is actually going to be set in an alternate universe. Hyperlight drifter is getting a TV series on Netflix. There's so many amazing things. So I have on here what IP could make an amazing video game movie, but I would also like to know, like, it could be a TV show possibly because Hyperlight Drifter is getting a TV show. So what do you think 
of a video guy video game ip could make a great like entertainment property outside of video games of course i'm not talking about fucking board games because they'd be cool but not what i'm talking about <laughs> okay all right well i'll stick with video game movie because when i originally saw this question my mind went to a couple of different games but it uh ultimately landed on bioshock so i've always been a big fan of the bioshock series ever since the first one came out um i slightly dabbled with system shock which is where it kind of originated from somewhat um which is also good but bioshock just the the idea of being in this kind of post-apocalyptic, not really, but yes, civilization underwater and being trapped there and the the strange, creepy undertones of everything that could happen in that kind of environment of what could go wrong is just really, there's something about that that just intrigues me of kind of a what if, like what if you were in that situation, so to speak. And it, what if we had an airtight utopia at the bottom of the ocean? Yeah, like one, it would be pretty damn cool from the start. But then, yeah, it could start its own, like its its own unique government slash kind of environment, living like your own rules. You're under the ocean, like you make your rules, and that's kind of where all of that joins into creating this crazy story of Bioshock of going there and and finding, you know kind of the the craziness and the terrible aspects of human nature in a way which i think is is very intriguing but to get to the main point of it is i'd love to see more of a bioshock one but like as those undertones were developing of all of the craziness happening so kind of a prequel to bioshock one of before you actually get there um before the whole andrew ryan creation thing whatnot um how it spiraled into what it was when your main character gets into the game and one of the interesting things about this was i looked it up and i was like oh bioshock movie and it was a thing that was you know almost happened it was licensed there were people who were mo- like working on it it was going to be a thing and then based on creative uh decisions that were kind of spearheaded they couldn't do it because they just clashed and decided that when one of the um, main publishers said oh it has to be a pg-13 movie and the director wanted it to be r and they butt heads about what it what the yeah fuck? they butt heads about it and it didn't go through so one of the things was the the director i don't remember any of the details unfortunately but basically the director was like well, I want to make this movie the way it should be because if you want to tell the story, you want to tell it correctly of how Bioshock really is. And you can't do that in a PG-13 setting because the general you know, theme of Bioshock is pretty mature from a standpoint of what's happening down there. So I'm definitely glad they didn't just, you know, kind of chunk it out and make it a little bit, you know, more parental friendly, so to speak um didn't just make another like terrible video game adaptation yeah but it sucks because i want more of that world um but i i really hope that something does come there's some rumors in the work that it still might be a thing and it might come about you know into fruition later down the road but i would love that because i think that environment is such a unique world and the fact that there's 
sort of like that magic element with the the different um, power-ups that the character was getting and the fact that they were using a unnatural element would add to a lot of easy, you know, CGI effect kind of work and something that would really pull people in, but also have that interesting thriller horror type story to keep the audience going. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, honestly, I, I totally think this could happen, especially in a world where, uh, there's been like 18 resident evil movies and now like Mila Jovovich or whatever her name is, is now in the Monster Hunter movie. This is a Bioshock movie. Don't think it's far-fetched at all. Think it could totally happen. I'd love it. Or if they could just give me a sequel <laughs> of another Bioshock game, I'd be happy with that too. Oh, yeah? You and the rest of gaming community as a whole? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know about as a whole, but I'm sure there's uh, a lot of people who have my mindset. Yeah, people really like Bioshock. It's good. Uh, I have not played any of them. What? I played a tiny bit of Infinite. I felt like this has come up in conversation before. No, you're blowing my mind right now. You've never played any of them? Dude, play the original. Yeah, no. Play the original. It's an oldie but a goodie. So I actually have all of them on PlayStation 3, and I also have the Bioshock collection. So I own it. I just have not played it. I fucking hate you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I love the <sighs> fucking what is wrong with you play Bioshock 1 don't play 2 2 is eh, they could have done without that Bioshock 1 and Infinite great games uh, yeah I've heard that people kind of detest 2 well it wasn't the actual like it, it was a different studio oh yeah 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 and it, yeah. it just eh, I don't know it just wasn't as good 1 has such an amazing story and twist to it and Infinite is just bonkers all right then i'll have to try once you yeah once you actually finish them you'll know what i mean (laughs) for my uh kind of just mine could be either a tv show or a movie and it could actually be pg-13 since apparently everybody wants it to be (laughs) pg-13 i would actually like psychonauts to be made into into like a a movie or a tv show but i want it to be 2d animation yeah that i i don't want it to be like 3d animation i don't want it to be live action oh god live action would be so terrible (laughs) i mean yeah you might think that about most things but for some reason they keep making live action ones. no i could i could definitely see that as like a that seems very sunday morning cartoon kind of vibe to it yeah and also like it it's not very serious, but it is something that adults and children could enjoy. So it kind of straddles that line of like a Pixar movie where yeah. it's not, it might be like technically meant for children, but it's, it's absolutely something that like adults can enjoy and like fawn over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think Psychonauts would make something just like perfect. Um, also something that I could think like something could work really well is like the uh the divinity series like division divinity original sin i think that could actually work really well um but of course it would be like a typical fantasy story it would just be like any of the like plethora of dungeons and dragons movies that have been made yeah i don't know if i mean i loved divinity but i don't know if that would resonate as well in that type of medium i feel like without the game aspect to it 
it would probably be lost amongst those who aren't diehard fans. Yeah, high fantasy is pretty hard to do. Like I said, there have been like a ridiculous amount of Dungeons and Dragons movies put out, and they don't catch. Uh, like some of them definitely aren't bad, but they don't catch on. One because they generally have terrible, just terrible special effects. Yeah. But two, there's just so much lore that is uh, like uh, is packed into these games, and like in Dungeons and Dragons case, uh, also a game, but a tabletop versus a video game. Right. There's so much in there that like doing that justice in a movie is very hard to do. I would also like to pose you the question: Are all video game movies bad? Uh, no, Detective Pikachu is great. There you go, Detective Pikachu. So I'm going to say right now, and this might lose me some people, I think Warcraft is completely watchable. It is not terrible. <laughs> it's I, I don't think it's a good movie, but I think it's very watchable. I like I watched it, and I was like, man, this makes me want to play World of Warcraft. And I played World of Warcraft again specifically because of it. Wow. So I never, hmm? never played or watched, so I wouldn't. You've never watched Warcraft? Nope. It's not that good, but it's watchable. <laughs> All right, I won't do it then. <laughs> You've convinced me. <laughs> but, of course, that's about the end of this episode of Indie Incursion. This is episode number 35. We're getting up there. We've got, we got quite a few. I've been doing this for too long. Yeah, we got 15 away from 50. Nothing special is going to happen then, just to let you know right now. But I'm very excited about it. Uh, thank you to all of the awesome followers that have followed us on Twitter. We're like up to like 45 followers, which doesn't sound like a lot. But considering we had like three before and two of them were us, that's a lot. That's a decent amount. Somewhere. Plus, we had that awesome guy who made us that psychic boy shirt so that's pretty dope uh thank you guys so much for listening you can of course follow me at hide legion on twitter follow the podcast at indie pod and you can follow josh at the underscore josh 90 of course make sure to check out all of the sweet ass written content over on parallaxmedia.one and make sure you guys subscribe on podcast services you can find us on spotify you can find us on google podcast on itunes on something else that i can't remember right now you can just find us anywhere (laughs) you can also subscribe to parallax media on youtube that's where we also post this podcast it's not there's no video it's it's just a static image but it's there so feel free to look at nothing (laughs) that's one one day one day we'll get uh actual cameras yeah, eventually we will get video. I've, I mean, I feel like once I go part time, we could probably do video because I'm just like a slob right now because I get off work, take a shower, eat a delicious Luna bar, and then I hop on the podcast. Um, but <laughs> once I go part time, I mean, I can look like a completely put together human being, wow. and I'll just look like myself. But I also need to get a camera, so I should probably work on that. There you go. There you go. Uh, that's it for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye, guys.